Welcome everybody to our weekly Halacha podcast, where we try to talk about some little little Halachas and the sources behind them. This podcast is dedicated in memory of Herschel ben David, Mr. Harold Pasternak, father of our good friend Michael Pasternak. This next week will be the holiday of Sukkot. Last week I spoke a little bit about the mitzvah of Sukkah. I'd like to talk about the other mitzvah of this holiday, though. The mitzvah of the four species, the Lulav, Esrag, Hadassim, and Aravos. The Torah tells us the mitzvah to take these four species, usmach them, and to rejoice before the Lord your God. Now the Torah only tells us the mitzvah to take the mitzvah on the first day, this is outside of the temple, outside of the base of Mikdash. In the base of Mikdash, the mitzvah was to take the species every day of Sukkot for seven days. Later when the base of Mikdash was destroyed, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai ordained that everybody should take the lulav and esrag for all seven days, commemorating the way it was in the base of Mikdash, in the time of the base of Mikdash. For that reason, though, since it's only of rabbinic origin, the luck is a little bit more lax the other days after the first day of Sukkot. For example, the luck is the first day of Sukkot, you take for yourselves on this day of, first day of Sukkot. Rabbis understand from this to mean yourselves means it has to be yours. The lulav and esrog cannot be borrowed from somebody else. You have to have your own lulav and esrog. If a person is unable to afford a lulav and esrog, the lacha says, the person can gift it to you. And you take it, the lulav and esrog, it becomes yours. And when you finish using it, you give it back to them as a gift. But it has to be the ownership. It has to be, you have to be yours in order to fill the mitzvah properly. Now, the mitzvah lulav and esrog, first of all, this is lakachtam, you're supposed to take it. The mitzvah itself seems to be the taking it. Although we have to take it, we pick it up, we shake it in all different directions, but the primary mitzvah is lakachtam, taking. This presents a little bit of a problem because normally the lach is regarding a bracha, that a bracha is always recited over lesiyasan before the performance of a mitzvah. Now if we pick up the Luvan Esther and can make the bracha, since the mitzvah is picking it up, I've already fulfilled the mitzvah before I'd make the bracha. That would pose a problem. For that reason, there are a couple of different ways to be able to deal with it. Perhaps most common, what people do is they pick up the esrog upside down. Now, the Torah says you're supposed to take them in the way that they grow. So you pick up one of the species upside down, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah. So by picking up the esrog upside down with the lulav, you can make the bracha, and then after the bracha is recited, you turn the esrog over and you shake it to all the different directions. So that way, you make the bracha before the fulfillment of the mitzvah. Others prefer not so much holding it upside down, but either making the bracha before you pick it up, right before it's picked up, or else they pick it up with the express intention not to fill the mitzvah until after the bracha. If a person has in mind not to fill the mitzvah, then of course he does not get the mitzvah. So he has in mind not to fill the mitzvah until after the bracha is recited, and then he makes the bracha and shakes the lulav and the, diff- lulav and the esrog in the different directions. Since this is a lakachta, and you're supposed to take it, the rabbis understand from that also, it's supposed to be taken in one's bare hands. You're not supposed to wear gloves when wearing when taking the lulav and esrog. For that matter, Mishtabur seems to say that a person should remove any rings from his finger, even though only a little piece of the finger is covered when you wear a ring, but nevertheless, this, the lulav and esrog should be held entirely in one's own bare hands. So a person should remove a ring before taking, before taking the lulav and esrog in his hands for the fulfillment of the bracha. The bracha that we say in the lulav and esrog 
אז אשר קדשנו במצלסיו וציוונו על נטילס לולב. Why is the bracha made in a lulav more than on anything else, more than the esrog, more than the dasim, more than the arabos? Especially considering the fact that the esrog, the Torah tells us, pre-eats hadar. It's the beautiful fruit. The sum of the halachas regarding the esrog are more stringent than the other species, even though there are certain laws of beauty, so to say, that are required by all the species, but it seems to be more strin- a little more stringent with the, mitz- with the esrog. Some of the commentaries say the reason to make the bracha on the lulav is because since the hadasim and the ravas are connected to the lulav, so these, these are sort of like two mitzvah objects in one's hand. The lulav, which has three mitzvahs on it, and the esrog, which only has one mitzvah. That's the reason why I make the bracha on the lulav, because that's the, the, the majority of species are in the lulav. For that reason, too, the lulav is held in the right hand and the esrog is held in the left hand. The reason for that is because, again, the right hand is considered the primary hand, representing God's attribute of kindness. And therefore, we want to take the, the, the a mitzvah object in our right hand where the majority of the mitzvahs are, are held. Since the lulav has the three species in it, that's, that's the one that's held in the right hand. There are different opinions regarding left-handed person. Some people say left-handed person takes the lulav in his left hand and the esrog in the right hand. Others have the left-handed person taking the lulav also still in the, everybody else's right hand and his and, and the esrog in his left hand as well too. Aside from the mitzvah of taking the lulav and esrog, there's also the mitzvah of the na'anuim. The na'anuim is the shakings. Now though, when we first take the lulav, we shake it in the different directions. The rabbis tell us the significance of shaking the lulav in different directions represents all the different directions where Hashem is. It's a matter of smachta, rejoicing before God in all directions, wherever we go, at rejoicing in God. Another explanation also brought down is because Sukkot is the period of the fall where the summer meets the winter. Sometimes that's where the difficult winds come, so to say, which could bring, which could bring illness with them. And therefore, by turning the Esther, turning the Louvre and Esther in all the different directions, it's an expression of prayer that we'd be protected from the winds coming from all the different directions. The Nanuim also, though, is not only in the mitzvah when you take, first take the lulav. The mitzvah of Nanuim also is in, when a person says halal. During the davening, we say halal. And during halal, when we say, Hodul Hashem Kitov, give thanks to Hashem because He is great and His kindness endures forever. And similarly, later on, the halal, we say, Honor Hashem Moshina, please Hashem save us. At those places in the halal, it's customary to shake the lulav in different directions. And again, that also is as part of the mitzvah of the nanuim, the shakings of the lulav. It's a separate mitzvah, aside from the mitzvah of the actual, the actual taking of the lulav and esrog, there's also that mitzvah to shake it, so to say, in different directions. It's a rabbinic obligation, but too it's a mitzvah of, of shaking the lulav and esrog in the different directions. If a person, of course, does not have, does not said halal, he can still fulfill the mitzvah of taking it with the just making the bracha itself. The mitzvah should really not be performed before daybreak, before sunrise, in other words. Again, as this year's sukkah is a little bit later than usual, last year was a leap year, so it's something you have to be careful that when you wake up early in the morning, some people like to take the lulav and esrog in the sukkah, connecting lulav to sukkah. But you should be careful that it should not be taken before sunrise. Some people wait till the shul, wait to write shortly before saying halal, they make the bracha at that point, either in a sukkah the shul has a sukkah, or in the shul itself, in order to be able to make the bracha. Preferably, a person should not eat anything 
in the day before making the bracha on the lulav and the esrik. Technically, a woman is not obligated in the midst of lulav and esrik because the mitzvah which is time-bound. Which are limited to the mitzvah of sukkahs, to the holiday of sukkahs. Nevertheless, the Mogan Avram says that women have accepted upon themselves an obligation to fill the mitzvah of Lulav and Esrug, and it's considered like a mitzvah, a mitzvah that, they've, that they've accepted upon themselves, which is something which is, because they accepted, it becomes incumbent, it becomes a requirement for women to fulfill this mitzvah too. Preferably, a woman too should not eat before taking the Lulav and Esrug in her hands with the bracha. Again, if it's not possible, if not feasible, for it never made Lulav and Esrug, she doesn't have to take it because it is time-bound. But if she's able to, it's preferably for it to be able to make the bracha on the, on the Lulav and the Esrug. The Esrug, you should be careful that we want to try to find as clean of an Esrug as possible. Some of the spots on an Esrug, even a tiny brown or black spots, could render the Esrug unfit for use. You have to be careful with the Pitum also. The Pitum is a little little spindle, spindly type of a, it's not a stem, it's the opposite, opposite end of the esrog, not the opposite end of the, where a stem is connected to the tree. It's a little, a little, like a, a, a little stick protrusion out of the esrog. You have to be careful, the lacha says, if a little piece of the esrog is missing, that can render the esrog totally unfit also. And you have to be careful that the pitum, that little, that little stick, should not fall off because that could render the esrog unfit. Certain things, certain times, it'll only be unfit for the first day, impermissible on other days when we're less stringent. And some certain certain disqualifications would be applicable even after the first day also. Again, their halachas are quite numerous and quite detailed. And a person has a question, they should certainly bring it to your rabbi to clarify for further clarification. Have a happy and simcha dikasukas, and God willing, we should meet again shortly. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.